it's more about who am I? Like, you know, what do I do well? What are my gifts? What's my identity, right? The second question is, well, you know, where am I headed with my life? Like, what's my North Star? Where am I going with my life? And then how am I going to get there? So what are the actual action steps? And what is the process that I can actually move from where I am now to where I want to be? And so I find that if we can break the process up into those three stages, it becomes so much easier to engage. And that's really what the book does. It kind of walks you through those three steps. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I am your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, community activist, business leader, speaker, author, or just an awesome person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Chanel Dokun. She is a certified life planner and relationship expert trained in marriage and family therapy who's been working with clients for years and has the credentials, experience, and caliber of writing needed to thoughtfully and comprehensively address the issues facing many women today. She left a career in magazine publishing to pursue her own life purpose in ministry and mental health care. She is also the author of the new book, Life Starts Now, How to Create the Life You've Been Waiting For. Chanel is such a breath of fresh air and it was such a joy to have her on the show. And I really feel like her heart and her message is going to speak to so many of you today. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Chanel. Chanel, I am so excited to have you. Welcome to the show, new friend. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I just picked up a copy of your new book, Life Starts Now, How to Create the Life You've Been Waiting For. And I um, started it a couple of days ago and just immediately like within a first few sentences. I, I mean, I'm a very, I mean, if you're, if you're not watching us chat, then you can't see. I have a lot of books behind me. I love to read. And so I'm especially the kind of person when I read nonfiction, like if I can't relate to the person that I'm reading, like if I can't hear a voice that I'm like, you seem like someone I want to be friends with, then I can't read your book. And like two sentences in, I was like, I like her. I just, I, really, I just, I, I could hear your voice in my head, uh, reading it to me. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into that. But before we get to all of that, I want you to do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Chanel 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So uh, primarily, I am a drinker of honey, vanilla, lavender lattes, and that's how I spend most of my time. I like it. Um, But outside of that, (laughs) I am an author, of course, of this book, Life Starts Now, and I am a life planner. So I spend my time sipping on lattes and also helping women figure out their big life purpose, why they exist, um, what their talents are, and all of that. Um, I'm trained as a marriage and family therapist. So I also own a therapy practice in New York City with my hubby, who is a psychiatrist, and just have a lot of fun um, in the mental health space, um, helping people just live more intentional lives and then kind of wear that wife and mommy hat the rest of the time. I love it. Okay. So when I meet somebody, who is in this space, because this is a difficult space to be in as a profession. I mean, when you're spending a lot of your time, uh, you know, 
digging deep into the recesses of people's brains <laughs> and lives <laughs> and junk. I mean, that can be really uh, difficult, yet it is something you are so clearly gifted in and it is something that uh, you are very clearly called to do. Was this something that you had always kind of, were you that friend that just people would just open up to you and just like growing up, you were like in the third grade and everybody's like, let me tell you about what's happening on the recess or at recess today. And you know, I mean, like, was this just something that you just all naturally were drawn towards? Yeah, I definitely remember third or fourth grade trying to help Chris Paul and Jackie (laughs) navigate their burgeoning relationship, you know, on the playground in between dodgeball games and all of that. Um, so there's definitely that, um, I also have just, there's an interesting intersection in my background. So there is definitely the mental health psychology piece. And then on the flip side of that, there's a little bit of theater in my background. So that is there too. And just a fascination with character and studying people and how people operate and move about the cabin. And then there's this, uh, I was an English major. And so also, again, paying attention to character, psychology, how humans function. So all of those things, this idea of putting language to our life experience and what does it mean for like how we act out in the world, all that is is part of me. Okay. So now I know why you and I are like, I I like you. So I was an English major in college. And Uh also have a background in theater. So my, I started off at, when I went to college, my original major was actually musical theater. Um, But I, I changed to English with a concentration in creative writing after my academic advisor. So one of the reasons I had, and I have a point, there's madness (laughs) to all this, or our point to this madness is, so my dream was actually to do comedy. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I wanted to do improv comedy and sketch comedy. And um, I had chosen the university where I went. Uh, because they had a sketch comedy group that was pretty well known. And uh, I knew that that was like, I want to do that sketch comedy group. And um, obviously, they didn't really have a concentration in the theater department for like comedic acting. And I could sing and I liked musical theater. And I did that in high school. So I was like, well, I'll do musical theater and continue to like flex those muscles while I also do comedy and do this comedy troupe and my academic advisor in the theater department, my, uh, I guess it was like halfway through my freshman year basically told me that comedy wasn't real theater and it was a mockery of the, uh, of the profession. And like, I had to choose and I was just like, well, I'm choosing comedy like this (laughs) Peace. (laughs) We'll see ya. So I changed my major to English and creative writing. But in, in the end, it's just funny that, um, you know, that's kind of the way it went. But one of the, you know, and I would say too, just with my experience in improv, one of the things that I love about theater and improv, and um, even that's probably one of the reasons I love to read so much is I too love to get in the heads of characters and like what motivates this character and why is this character doing what they're doing and making the choices that they're doing. And that's what's so fun to me about improv, because you're doing it all right on the spot is like, it can be a four and a half minute scene. And in my head, like, you know, rapid fire, I'm thinking, okay, who is this character? What is their background? Why are they making these choices? And that is so fascinating to me. But I've never made the connection until today that maybe that's also why I like to interview people. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Even though I'm like not a counselor, that is not my specialty. That is not my calling. But maybe maybe there's like a little bit of motivation or or a connection there or something, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> totally. I have, so you may not be there in the book yet, but there is a part later on. So for all of the like theater f- fans, um, one of my favorite improv games is this game, New Choice. Yes. Where, you know, you're in the middle of a scene and you're like, new choice. And you're like, okay, I'm, you know, we're eating ice cream, new choice. No, we're eating a banana, new choice. We're eating a hot dog, right? And you keep shifting. And I actually use that example in the book of how that has made me more nimble and less committed to certain life choices. Mm. And I think it's a great way to approach even discovery of your purpose is sometimes we're so wrapped up in like one particular way of being and we get really stuck. And I love theater folks because they're responsive and nimble and and quick on their feet. So um, yeah, there's something there, but yeah, I love that you're doing interviewing now. It's that's why it's so fun to listen to you. It is. It's like a comedy routine. It's like a show. I'm I'm into it. Well, it's funny. And and I've gotten this feedback a lot from previous guests on the show where sometimes we'll we'll stop recording. And then, you know, I'm just like, Oh, it was a great time. And then, and like, I've had multiple people be like, I didn't even feel like I was doing a podcast interview. And I'm like, see, that's my goal. <laughs> gotcha. it's, like, it's like, I'm being sneaky about it. Um, but uh, yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm fascinated by this and I would love for like your husband's like psychiatry, uh, perspective, like to someday, like let's really psychoanalyze why you are yes. the way that you are. Um, Okay. So you, uh, you started, you're, you know, licensed in marriage and family therapy, um, and you became a life coach as somebody who I've, I've worked with a business coach. I've been in therapy, but I've never worked with a life coach, but I do hear people all the time ask me the question, well, like, how do I figure out what my purpose is? And it's like this very, you know, high level, like, why do I exist on this earth? (laughs) Sometimes it can feel very like, okay, let's, yeah. Let's bring it down a notch. Um, right. How did you begin to develop? Uh, I don't even know if, if a system is the right word or a, a skill set. I like that on your website, you have a, the quote from Liam Neeson where he's like, I have a very, very particular set of skills. Yes. Um, yeah. Like this, this very unique skill set to help people identify and kind of answer that question, but in a more really tangible way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you nailed it in that when we talk about life purpose stuff, the conversation gets really weird, really fast. fast. Like people take themselves so seriously and we put so much pressure on ourselves to have it like figured out in this way that is, um, I think, so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And I find that there's a lot more joy and uncertainty and uh, discovery that comes along with that purpose journey than, you know, this kind of pressured, I've got to figure it all out. So for me, um, it's, it's wanting to find a balance between um, there's some openness to it, but there's also like actual things you can do, yeah. right? So it's not this like lofty esoteric conversation in total. There are practical steps to it. And I always say that when people are asking about their life purpose, like, why do I exist? In that one monster question, they're actually asking about three things that I kind of find I come up against again and again with every client. And so for those who are listening, maybe they can think through if they've asked themselves these individual questions, but it's more about who am I? Like, you know, what do I do well? What are my gifts? What's my identity, right? The second question is, well, you know, where am I headed with my life? Like, what's my North Star? Where am I going with my life? And then how am I going to get there? So what are the actual action steps? And what is the process that I can actually move from where I am now to where I want to be? 
And so I find that if we can break the process up into those three stages, it becomes so much easier to engage. And that's really what the book does. It kind of walks you through those three steps. I love that. I also love, and I think that this is really important. And obviously this is the lens that I see things through. And I think that you, you do this so well, just in the, in the little bit that I've read and, and just what I've seen of, you know, your work online and your podcast, what you do so well is obviously this, you know, you personally come at this from a faith perspective, but you, you so seamlessly, you know, speak to people who maybe don't have that background. And so it's almost like a little bit like what I kind of got like to call sneaky Jesus, where it's like, it's like, <laughs> you don't know that you're sharing the life, love of Christ, but, <laughs> but right. you are. Um, I, and I, so, and I really love that because it's, that's a, that's a skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. When you talk with, you know, maybe new clients or, or you know, uh, the person that y- you had in mind when you were writing this book, and I feel like we're also at this very uh, complex, pivotal moment in our world and in our culture and our country and um, in our lives where we are struggling with just a lot of things holding us back, whether those are tangible things like, um, you know, economics, maybe, uh, you know, an economic situation is holding us back. Maybe a community situation is holding us back. Maybe a familial situation is holding us back or something, you know, maybe not as tangible where it's our own mindset, our own um, insecurities, our own selves standing in our way or, you know, whatever it is. Are there any particular common threads that you were really focusing very uh, heavily on when it came to writing this book? Like when you were speaking to somebody, like how do we get past those things that are holding you back in whatever area it is um, for personal or professional or spiritual growth? Yeah, I think that that's such a great question. I feel like right now, the primary thing I see is that people are intent on living from the outside in, right? We have so many voices. We are so connected and it feels like more and more we are being feeling pressured to conform to a particular way of living. Like there's no, you know, I mean, literally I was thinking about like, you know, TikTok videos and like the Instagram reels and stuff that we do where we literally are like taking on other people's voices and their audio as our own. Right. So it's like this high pressured culture right now of how do I conform to the script? And that might be that there is one way of thriving there's one vision of success. You know, we all are like, become a Kardashian. Like that, like that's yeah. what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Like that's the way. Um, it might be we're feeling that pressure from looking at friends and family. There might be family scripts that we're being called into. So I think the primary thing I was addressing with the book is this idea that women in particular are looking at external reference points. Like there's some pressure of, I need my life to look like that. And then I will be happy. Then I will have purpose. Then I will be significant or successful. And how do we actually shift from that place? Because it's a really oppressive, uh, stressful, draining place that I find often leads to us when we went at it <laughs> is we get a lot of things that we don't actually want, mm. or we get things that aren't totally satisfying. And so we end up feeling even more suffocated. So for me, the journey was all about helping women move to a place where they're finding their purpose from the inside out, where it's no longer about me trying to conform to 
what the larger culture says success looks like, but it's me actually figuring out for me, like, how was I created? What am I gifted at doing? Like, what is my life meant to be rather than following someone else's path? I'm curious because this tends to be a common thread in people I've personally interacted with or people I've interviewed or just, you know, friends in my life where a lot of times our giftings or our uh, the way that we steward things well in our own lives comes out of a place of personal growth on ourselves, where yeah. it's like God takes us through certain things so that we can then steward those experiences to help others. So my question to you is, does this stem from something that you've personally worked through? Or, uh, you know, is there something in your own life where you really struggled and, you know, you were feeling like you were trying to meet some expectation that was unrealistic or you were trying to strive and achieve something that was unrealistic and you had to kind of break down those expectations in order to realize what you were uniquely gifted in? Yeah, absolutely. I will never forget this moment for me of standing in the center of Rockefeller Center, right where they put the Christmas tree. I had, I was in my twenties, I'd moved to New York city to work in magazine publishing. And I had this moment of being like, I've made it like Mm. my magazine. I was working at house beautiful and we had built a life-size kitchen in the center of rock center. And we were hosting some events. I think it was like around the U S open. And so we had these parties going on for different industry parties. So I'm behind the velvet ropes and 350,000 people pass through rock center every day. And so there's all these tourists who are looking like, who are the people behind the ropes and what's going on? And it's all this like splashy photography and all these things. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've made it. I've done it. I have achieved my goal. I live in New York City, greatest place in the world. And I am working in publishing. My total dream job is this like little English major from California. I have done it. And it was immediately followed by, this is not satisfying. Like Mm. this is not enough. It's not fulfilling. And I realized I was more passionate and excited about some things that were smaller, that were less um, splashy, that were less uh, popular, I guess, by cultural standards. Um, I was doing some really quiet work on the side um, in my freelance time, um, helping women with relationships and talking to people about dating and stuff like that and writing and doing counseling work on the side. And I was like, I love that. I love like that real work in people's lives. And so for me, a lot of it was moving away from what would be maybe considered culturally significant (laughs) and what people think is like the good life um, and moving into something that was way more meaningful to me personally and was a better use of my particular talents and skills. Mm, Man, that's a whole sermon right there. (laughs) Yeah, where you just you there are oftentimes where you reach this point where you think, yeah, like I've made it or this is the thing or. I had a conversation with somebody uh, a couple of months ago where we were talking about um, about book writing. And um, she very honestly, she, you know, she shared how, you know, writing a book was like this, you know, lifelong dream. And obviously she's really excited about it and just, you know, very, very grateful for it. And she's like, but it was so funny how like the signing of the contract in her mind, she had had that it was going to be like this pivotal, like Shekinah glory shining moment and like how kind of anticlimactic it was. And she's like, and I didn't want people to feel like it was like, I was like, 
not grateful and I am, but I just, but you know, you get to that point of like, oh, so it's not, it's realizing that, that the things of this world are just never going to satisfy us like right. fully. Um, but when you are really fulfilling and, and doing your, what God has really specifically equipped you or called you to do, that that's those moments when you're like, oh yeah. And, it's, and she's like, you know, and obviously like the actual writing of the book and holding it in your hand and that's totally different, but it's just, it's this moment of sometimes you have in your mind what something's going to be like, and then it ends up being not that. Does that make totally. sense? Yeah. And it's because all those moments are fleeting, right? I mean, I'm in the wake of, you know, my book just coming out into the world, which was a total dream. I always wanted to be an author and I, you know, a big part of my story is with my mom and what writing meant to us and mm. the time that we spent in bookstores. And I was able to take my son who's seven to, to go buy my book once it was like released in stores. So we were there, we're like at a Barnes and Noble and living our best life. And it's like, look, there's mommy's book and he's holding it. And we're so excited. And then we got in the car and he was like, I'm hungry. Like, where, when are we eating dinner? Why don't you buy me a book? And I was just like, you know what? This is real life, right? <laughs> and that like glorious deep moment. level. <laughs> yeah. That glorious moment I'd waited my whole life for, it seemed, just was like, it instantly passed, right? So I, it's, it would be unfortunate if I had built that up to be the whole of my life purpose. Mm. Mm, yes, absolutely. Oh man, I I'd feel that on such a deep level. Um, I mean, I remember like telling when I told my kids because my kids are six and nine, mm. and when I told them, I was like, "Mommy's writing a book," and I, I you know, like, and and they're just like, "Well, is it one that I'm gonna like? <laughs> are there pictures? <laughs> are there pictures in it? Like, will it be a funny story? Are you gonna talk about us? You know, like it's just yeah. like this moment of like, oh, fine, you know, you're yeah. not gonna be excited for your mother, no? Okay, fine, you know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you we 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 have these expectations in our heads that's more often than not that's not how it actually goes. Um, I love that one of the ways you you break this down is you kind of talk about uh, life almost being like water. And you break the the book down into kind of two main parts where you talk about drowning in shallow water and then getting your head above water. And then I love your conclusion. It just says swimming lessons once you're once you're there. <laughs> where does that all stem from? Yeah. Um, so so much of it comes from this story that uh, is that you'll find in the beginning of the book about me having this experience of drowning. <laughs> and I was like a little kid at a water park. And I had, I didn't know how to swim. I was about six or seven, went to wild rivers with a neighbor and I was splashing around, like living my best life and having so much fun. But they put me in a kiddie pool because I couldn't swim. And I remember splashing. And then I had this moment where I realized, oh my goodness, I'm drowning. Like my head is underwater. This is terrible. What am I going to do? How do I swim? And I could hear everyone was still laughing and playing around me like, Every, nothing had changed. And they thought I, I could actually hear them saying like, oh, she looks like she's having a blast. Look at her. She's loving it. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm drowning. Hello. And so I start swallowing the water. Like someone help me. <laughs> Maybe I can drink all the water here. And then I realized, nope, that's a bad idea. The water, there's more water than you. That's not going to work. And somehow I kind of got my bearings and I realized that I was actually standing on my feet. And I was like, oh, just, just my head's underwater. Okay, it's not, it's not all of me. 
And that all I needed to do in that moment was to actually lift my head out of the water and like save myself. So, you know, ta-da, I'm here before you today, still alive, because I just was able to stand on my own two feet. And that idea of drowning in shallow water, to me, I, I think of it a lot in working with clients because um, both it's happened in my own life, but the women that I work with, when we're in private therapy rooms or life planning sessions, um, they come in and they're like, my life looks like it's awesome. I look like I'm splashing around from the outside. Everybody thinks I'm having a good time. I maybe have the job or I've got the guy or I don't know, I have the good family or good friends. I've got the right filter on Instagram. And so people imagine that my life is okay. And I know it, it is okay, it, but it's not great. I feel really empty inside, like I'm suffocating in the midst of this good life. And I feel like I'm drowning, but it's in shallow water. And so I like this idea of all you need to do to kind of save yourself from that is to stand up in the fullness of your identity. Like that's the only solution. It's not this, you know, uh, lifeguard that needs to come in and rescue you. There's not a big boat that needs to come in. It's actually you standing in your own identity and standing in the power that you have um, that leads you to a place of safety and, and thriving. So that's kind of the metaphor that's written, you know, throughout the book is this idea of what does it feel like to drown? <laughs> like, what is the reality of that? And what are some of the things that keep our heads underwater? And then on a really practical level, like how do you stand up? Like, what does that even mean to stand up in your own identity in, you know, our real lives today. So it kind of walks you through that process as well. I love that metaphor because I mean, I, that was, I mean, a big part of my story was, um, was, you know, gosh, I can't even do the math probably 15 years ago, um, between 15 and 12 years ago, I went through a period where I was drowning. Um, and I was definitely not in shallow water. I was in very deep water, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was in the Mariana trench. Okay. I was <laughs> way, way down in there. Um, but yeah, that's, it's that moment of, uh, of, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And then I've certainly had periods in my life too, where I've been in more shallow water. And when you are, um, it, as I was listening to you tell your story, I was immediately taken back to a story of my own, um, of when I was at the beach with, uh, my friends when I was in high school and we're playing in the, in the ocean and we're all having a great time and, you know, living like, like nobody's, you know, around. I mean, I remember I got caught in an undertow of a wave. And I remember like spinning with, you know, when, when the wave hit me and I just got caught in that like, sp like nonstop spinning. And I, I remember I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get myself up, but I would have these moments where like one ear would come out of the water and I could hear my friends laughing. And yeah. so I like, I was immediately taken to that, that same moment where you're, where yes, it's like, you are struggling and there's no one around you that can, that realizes what is happening to you. And it's like this moment of, am I going to succumb to this thing that I'm stuck in, whether it's you're in shallow water and all you need to do is lift your head up, or am I stuck in a wave that's spinning me <laughs> in circles right. and all I need to do is swim to the right or swim to the left to break out of the current. It, but it's, it's this mindset thing of like, I can sit here and I can, you know, for the next 60 seconds, you know, <laughs> make the decision to uh, succumb to the conditions that I have found myself in, or I can make a different choice. 
right? And that is often the hardest part <laughs> is, is making that different choice. And then the rest comes later. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. Oh my goodness. Just, That's so vivid um, to picture you in that undertow and kind like, of stuck in that. Yeah. It's like terrifying. And, but yeah, but then once you get out of it, you're, you're like, oh, okay. All right. Now I just need to avoid that from now on. <laughs> Don't do that again. Yeah. And let's be honest, I'm like 37 now and I'm like, uh, I'm going to stick into the ocean, like about my knees. That's right. about as deep as I'm going to go. And I'm, I'm good. My kids are like, mom, why won't you go deeper? I'm like, well, you see, here's what happened to mommy at the age of 14 or whatever. I want to take an opportunity to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, I am a big fan of Mama Suds. I've used their products for years here in my own home, and Michelle Smith, the head mama, has been on this podcast before, so you can even go back and listen to my interview with her. And we love their stuff, everything from their all-purpose household cleaner to their laundry soap, stain stick, you name it, we use it. And what I love about Mama Suds is not only are the products made entirely with clean, safe, non-toxic ingredients, but they also work. They smell good and they actually work. I'm telling you that stain stick on my kids' dirty clothes is chef's kiss. It's so good. So I want you to check them out too. You can go to mamasuds.com and you can use the coupon code MOLLY for 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com, coupon code MOLLY for 15% off. Now back to my conversation with Chanel Dokun. When you get really practical, what are some of the, because like I said, I, I love to go deep and I love to talk about some of these things on a more, um, I don't know what the, the word is, kind of ethereal. Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know, somewhere in there um, level. But then I, I also really love to think very practically, tangibly, like what are, okay, if, if somebody is listening and they are like, yep, that's me. Yeah. I'm drowning in shallow, shallow water. I'm looking around. My friends are having a great time. So I think, and I am drowning in shallow water and I don't know how to make that choice of lifting my head above or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. What are some of those kind of initial practical steps do you, do you tend to walk people through to get them out of that cycle? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the, the phrase that I often use with my approach to any sort of care is that we can't treat what we haven't diagnosed and we can't diagnose what we haven't assessed, right? So I think it all starts at a place where, you know, like AA kind of thing where you admit, like, I have a problem, I'm drowning. <laughs> like, we have to get to a place where we're able to confront what's actually happening to us. That's why I opened the book with the line, like, can we talk about how miserable you are, right? Because I want people to immediately go like, yeah, let's just bypass all the niceties and let's like drop into the reality of what we're experiencing. And there's lots of ways to do that. Um, one of my favorite parts of the book, if you, when you grab it, it's at chapter five, I believe, as the Reclaim the Morning chapter. And it's about a morning practice um, that I have. We actually have an online course for it because people like needed such practical steps to walk through it. But the idea of carving out an assessment space in your life where you can actually look at like, 
what is happening? Like, am I drowning? Am I happy with this? Um, what are the sources of angst and stress in my life? And how do I reconnect to my own voice? And so kind of get back into my own skin, stop trying to just live out and pursue what the rest of the world wants for me. So you get into that assessment space first, and then you're able to kind of diagnose, okay, here's some of the problems. <laughs> like, here's what's kind of contributing to this. And the book does kind of walk you through like what are possible things that are contributing to that feeling that you're having. And then on a really practical level, you know, there's a billion and one exercises. <laughs> I keep getting, I keep hearing from women that have the book. They're like, I went and I got my journal today because they like went to go and they're starting to do the exercises on their own. But it's really starting to break down, like, how do I reconnect to my own story and figure out, you know, some of the lessons and messages that I've learned in my life that I want to carry with me? Like, how has God redeemed my story? I'm looking at, you know, my talents, my wiring, a lot of those things. So it'll kind of guide you through some of those more practical pieces um, that are a necessary part of it as well. I love that. And I also love that chapter. I did get to the the morning chapter and I was laughing at, um, you were talking about how there's all this, always these people who like talk about successful people who get up early, whether it's like two to 12 hours before everyone else or whatever. And she's like, and they're almost always men. And like, <laughs> which like, that really is true. I feel like every person who's ever been like successful people get up early. It's like always dudes. And, um, and I, I've gone through seasons where I have been more successful in my quote unquote, like morning routines. And I will say I do much better during the school year when my kids are in school and I have like a, a pretty set routine. Also, my kids get on the bus really early. Like their bus comes at like 645 in the morning. So it's, we're getting up early in the Stillman household. Um, yes. I don't really have a choice, but you're like, mama loves to sleep. And I'm like, and that would also be me is yes. if I am given a choice, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I don't need a nap right now, but I will take one uh, because I will never turn one down. I, I don't know never, why I do that. There is not a chance that somebody could come up to me and be like, you should, you're going to go take a nap right now. And I would say no. Like I would just be like, Yeah. 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 I'll go do that. Um, and also I am not a cat napper. That's, that's the problem though, is cause you know, there's people are like the most, the best naps for you are 26 minutes. And I'm like, mine are three and a half hours and <laughs> I've wasted an entire afternoon and I have zero regrets. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I, I love that because, um, I, I will say that the times that I feel when like I'm, I'm in, my best mental state are the the times when I really feel like my mornings are thriving. Um, I I hate or I don't like I don't like to use the word hate, but I struggle with um with my kids getting on the bus so early because there are definitely mornings where it's just hectic and a kid's alarm didn't go off or a kid overslept their alarm and I don't like to start the day in a frenzy. It just feels I don't like getting my kids on the bus and being like, oh, I was snappy with them. Like, it's just it's not it's not my favorite. So I, I do. We try to get in a routine where it's like I've had enough time to get up, do some Bible reading, get my heart right with Jesus. And then, you know what I mean? And then 
you know, get lunches made and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so, um, but yes, I, I do not get up at three in the morning like some of those quote unquote successful people tell me to do because I'm sorry, my bed is very comfortable and I really like it. And I really like my, I have a perfect blanket and pillow situation that I just, yeah, I just would really like to stay there. <laughs> yeah. Every time someone tells me that they wake up very early, I think, have you heard of memory foam? Like, yeah. do you not have, you know, like, do I need to help you upgrade your pillow situation? Yeah. Because mine is very, very appealing. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, love it. I have a double comforter inside of a duvet, like with some like clean, I'm very, like uh very, very religious about changing my sheets every week. And I start Sunday nights with a, f- a fresh set of clean sheets. And there is just arguably nothing more comfortable in the world. (laughs) And I got a little linen spray that I do. I mean, it's just like a, I got, I'll, I'll get my candle burning or my diffuser going. It's just an aromatherapy. (laughs) Clean spirit, clean sheets on a Sunday. I like it. (laughs) What I am saying, I'm just saying this is a digression, but about, uh, I don't know, like maybe six months ago, I decided because I get really and I part of this is because I I work from home. And so it can be very easy to get distracted by just like crap to do around the house. And I was like, so I was finding myself where Mondays, I was spending the almost entire workday just cleaning or meal planning or going to the grocery store. And I was not actually working. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, why am I doing this? And so about six months ago, I, I, I take about an hour on Sunday afternoons. I go around and I change the sheets in the house. I change out all the towels in the house, like clean towels, clean sheets. When I go to bed on Sunday night, my kitchen's clean. And I will say that I start Mondays so much more focused and refreshed and it just feels good. Um, Anyway, so I don't know. I don't know who that's for. I don't know if somebody listening is like, you know what? I should try doing that. And like, like I said, it takes about probably an hour total on Sundays. I try to meal plan on Sundays too. So you just start the week having done all the minutiae, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get it well, and way. you know what? It's so funny because that's, that's actually a lot of what I feel is the, the energy behind even the reclaim the morning practice. This idea that I spend the first part of my day actually doing that mental dump where I like yeah. clean everything out. I just like, you know, whatever is kind of sitting there laying beneath the surface in my mm-hmm. heart, things that are plaguing me, questions I'm asking, all of that stuff, I kind of clear it out at the start of the day. I hear myself and then I have this nice, beautiful, like kind of clean slate to start yeah. receiving things for my day. And I think what often happens is we don't do that cleaning out work in advance. And so we just rush into our day, like with a jumble of like madness in our minds. And then we try to pile everybody else's needs and expectations on top of that. And it's too much. And so I think we do need some spaces in our life like that, where we do the clean out work, you know, in advance. I love that. I love the one hour on Sundays. I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. I, I'm telling you it's it, especially cause I, it was so funny. Um, I, I will admit that there was a time in my life where I was really not very good at changing my sheets regularly, but when I implemented that one thing it, it just, for some reason, starting off my week with freshly clean sheets, it's just like a very small, simple joy that, um, um, and fresh towels. Like, it's just like you get the, the scent of the, of the, yeah. everything's smelling good. It's soft. It's clean. It's not like it's greasy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying I'm greasy. You just, you, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just 
kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, we're, we're getting to the point, um, where we're going to get to the get to know you questions, but, um, Chanel, I just, I think you are such a joy and I'm so excited and about this book and, um, highly recommend everybody go pick it up. But I would just say, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, like how, you know, what are you working on this year? What's, what's coming up? What are your last words of wisdom? Obviously, um, for people that don't know, you have a podcast called Clarify Your Calling, which is phenomenal. Um, so everybody go listen to Chanel's podcast. You have Women of Consequence. Uh, you just, yeah. you have so much going on. So what are what are the things that you're working on, looking forward to, and, and how can people best, you know, continue to follow the work that you're doing? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I'm so pumped right now because I have been itching to get this book out into the world as a starting point for so many people. So there will be people who read the book. It will change your life. I really do say that it will because I've just basically distilled a process that I do with women in real life and put it on paper for you. I have been focusing on where do people go next? So I hate self-help books in that they can often be really inspiring. And then people don't do things with them. So I have intentionally built things into the book that give you action steps so you can make it real. But my excitement is really my women of consequence community. Um, I love pouring into real people. So we have a membership that's launching um, in the new year that will help you build on all of this stuff. So if you're someone who gets super distracted and just caught up in the world, or you feel like, I know that I have a purpose in, you know, in this life, but I can't quite stay on track. I lose focus easily, or I don't know what to do next, or I just feel really alone. And I, I could use someone that's helping me regularly recenter. Um, that's what Women of Consequence will be. So it's a space each month where I'll be providing coaching, giving some workshops that just lead to inspiration and, and kind of catalyze you and your purpose. Um, that's probably what I'm pumped about. And some courses, like I said, we've got Reclaim the Morning as a course that you can do right now. So that's a great place to start even before we launch the community in the new year. So yeah, just pumped to actually like take this and, and help you build on everything that you're reading about in the book. So good. So, so good. And for the listeners, as always, I will make sure to include Chanel's information in the show notes so that you can stay connected with her and check out our podcast and all of the things, Chanel. All right. So now this is the portion where we ask some fun, get to know you questions. Yes, so, okay. um, Chanel, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one is of all of your pet peeves, which one is the strangest? Ooh, the strangest pet peeve. I don't like when people text me. <laughs> is that like a weird thing? Is that a weird thing? That is peeve? weird because I don't like when people call me. I'm like, don't yeah. you know that texting exists? Like, it uh, just... <laughs> yeah. you're the opposite. I love it. I just am like my text message. It feels like such a sacred space. I am so old. I'm like, email me, email me. I can't. If you text me, I will not retain that we've ever had that exchange. <laughs> just know that now it's like, if you've texted me, it's gone. It's like, out the other ear. So I yeah. love it. And meanwhile, if you email me, it is in an abyss that <laughs> uh, will likely not get, I will not get to it for yeah. the next uh, four and a half years. So, and in four and a half years, I will reply and my email will begin with, sorry for my delay. <laughs> sorry for the delay in replying. I hope that this is information you emailed me four years ago is still relevant. Uh, right. <laughs> Love it. Okay. What is something in the past year that has been particularly memorable or had a really big impact on you? 
Wow. Um, I'll probably say that moment with my son in the in the bookstore, honestly. <laughs> it felt like, I mean, despite his like lack of ultimate joy and fulfillment um, after the moment, I think it did feel like a um a full circle experience of my mom has passed, she passed away 10 years ago. And I think that she like had this reverence for books. And mm. so bookstores have always felt like really sacred spaces. And to stand there and to see like my little boy dancing and seeing my book on a shelf just felt like, okay, like you've done it. You know, it felt like bucket list checked off that moment. And number two, if I can select two, yeah. I got to do um, a workshop with Oprah <gasps> and I made Oprah laugh. And that felt like yeah. one of the best moments. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a picture of Oprah throwing her head back and laughing with me right next to her. And I was like, yeah, life, life done. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty. I would say that that is pretty amazing. That is really yeah. amazing. Okay. What song do you have to sing along with when you hear it? Um, <laughs> there is a Paul Simon song called Kodachrome and that came in my mind. I don't know. I don't even know all the lyrics. That's what's sad about it actually for everyone else. I love it. And this but was like you, this, you're immediately, you were like, this is the song. It's cause it's the soundtrack of my life. It's like in my head at all times. So it's just low level playing. Yeah. And then we'll stop talking and then it, the volume turns up. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so much. Okay. Um, what was your favorite TV show to watch when you were growing up? Ooh, um, wow. That's tricky. My mind first went to the Mickey Mouse Club. I, but I realized it was only one season when like Justin Timberlake yeah. and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera or yep. whoever were on it. And Ryan Gosling but, randomly. Yeah. I know. Ryan Gosling. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So that was probably one of my favorites. Love it. Love it. Okay. What is a dream that you have yet to achieve? Ooh. I just wrote an email to my my clients about how last week everybody was in Italy. And I was like, everybody went to Italy last week. Like the streets of the US were empty. I don't know what was going on. I know three people in Italy right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Why, why is everybody us? in Italy? What's happening? Why are we not in Italy? Why we are should we be not doing there? this podcast in, in Italy. Italy. Right? Chanel. All right. We're going to, we're, we're, Next we're taking this thing on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my life goal. All right. Going to Italy. I like it. Yeah. Just like all around or just in general. Just, I need, I need Tuscany. I need a little yeah. Florence action. Yeah. Um, I just want to see rolling hills and eat as much pasta as is humanly possible. Yeah. Like your body weight in pasta. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nope. Yep. Mm -hmm. hundred. 100% love it. Okay. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, Chanel, what does it mean to you to run a business or live a life with purpose? To me, it means to be firing on all cylinders. Mm. I think to have a life that's integrated and to be walking out the unique thing that you were called to do mm. um, in every sphere of your life. So good. So good. Chanel, this was a gift. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for uh, just the work you're putting out into the world. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are new here, welcome, 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 welcome. Having you listen to this show is such a gift and I am so grateful to you. If you're one of my regular listeners of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for your support. 
be sure to head on over to whatever podcast app you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast, you know, there's a million of them. Would you click that subscribe or follow buttons to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show? And would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media, and I'm so grateful for them. Now for you, be sure to go do something good with purpose on purpose.